0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now.
1: The other day, scrolling scrolling through Instagram, don't judge me, okay? I like to scroll through Instagram. I came across, I don't know, it's a tweet. It's It's a tweet, but... Uh, somebody captured the tweet and put it on Instagram, and, um, and that really got me thinking. I thought, you know, have you ever done that where you're scrolling through and you go, Man, oh, that, that kind of triggers something? I, I, I did that, guys, and it's a, it's a tweet from Amir um, Safadi, Amir Safadi, and here's what he tweeted. You ready? He said this, quote, "'People ask me to teach the Bible and refrain from commenting on current events.'" He says, I promise I won't talk about the International Space Station, but the Bible commands us to be watchful, to be sober, not to fall asleep, and most importantly, to comfort each other and edify each other, end quote. You go, whoa, wow. Well, okay, so this tweet, right, this Instagram, it made me think about current events. And as we come to our text tonight in Genesis 37, guys, we're gonna hang out with Joseph, okay? So just kinda get comfortable with Joseph a little bit. We're gonna, we're gonna come, we're gonna hang out with Joseph all the way to the end of the book, to chapter 50. Okay? But Joseph's story is not all glitter and gold. If you just really look at it, as a matter of fact, if we follow his story, we see that his life wasn't really all rainbows and butterflies. You see, Joseph, guys, was 17 years old when he was extremely hated by his brothers. He was thrown in a pit to die. And if that was not enough, he was pulled out, a, a band of Midianites. He was sold into slavery. He ends up in Egypt. The next thing you know, while in Egypt, he's falsely accused. And he ends up in prison. And it isn't until chapter 41 that we see Joseph in The palace and the palace. So if we're going to apply God's word to our lives, I would ask you this question. You go, what's that? Where are you in life? Right now, where are you in life? Like, like, like every week I don't want to come up and go, hey, let's talk about COVID Let's talk about the coronavirus. Let's talk about what's going on in the world, the riots. And uh, these are current events. I don't always want to talk about it, but here's the thing, guys. I fully understand that 2020 has been a stressful year. It's been really hard on a lot of us. It's been, I mean, I'm, I, I feel like we should unplug it or something, right? Maybe it'll reset. Or how about we just fast forward these days, six months, and let's start with 2021, because that's how stressful it's been. Some of us came off 2019, and you had a great year. 2019 was like, awesome, or it was not. And you're thinking, man, 2020's got to get better, right? 2020 vision, let's go. We're going to see what God has for us. And then it seems like the bottom dropped off, amen? That's really what it feels like, and I, I and I understand, And again, like I said, I don't like to be bringing up, again, the events each time we gather, but like Amir said, I need to teach you the word of God while commenting on the current events so that I can offer up hope and comfort in the midst. So again, I'm calling this message, the pit, the prison, and the palace. This is part one, the pit, the prison, and the palace. Why? Why? Because we will definitely see Joseph in all three. But what I want to focus on, guys, just for a moment, is where are you in life? Where are you in life? You go, Pastor, I'm not sure what you mean. In other words, maybe today you find yourself in the pit. You find yourself in the pit. Like, like man, you're going, I can relate to Joseph, man. Why? Because the pit of life seems hopeless and helpless. Okay, it seems like well, a pit would be dark and unforgiving, and in a pit, guys, you wouldn't see the future. And I wonder how many people watching us online, or how many people might be listening to this via podcast, might say, Pastor, I know exactly, man. I I I know what the pit feels like. I know. I, I I feel the darkness in my heart. I, I I this is what I likened it to. You ever been in an airplane and, and 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 you're heading straight down to the ground and you hear the the voice of the of the automated pilot say pull up, pull up, and you're trying to pull the lever up so you can level off in your life, but you feel like you're going, you know, and that's how you feel. And it's like, man, this is how life feels for some people. I think if we're really honest, many of us have been in the pit in life. We can't pull ourselves out, man. I don't know what I man, I feel like I'm in a pit, man. <sighs> I mean, I do something, man. I'm, I'm trying. Some people call it depression. Some people call it anxiety. And, and I just wonder how many people are, are going, man, I can relate with Joseph. I can relate with Joseph. Why? Because do you realize that the pit for Joseph meant it meant starvation, right? They're going to throw him into an empty pit. How was he going to eat? He would literally would literally starve to death. So to throw Joseph in a pit would mean that you're done. Now, I want you for just a moment, put yourself, just think about in a moment just being put in a pit that could actually be several meters wide or very narrow. And be left there to die. You're in the middle of the desert. And see, I think a lot of people relate that, okay? A lot of people relate that, okay? When it comes to life, my, my question to you is, where are you? Why? Because you go, Pastor, I'm in the pit. I'm in the pit. Because if you're in the pit, I want to offer you encouragement. I want to offer you, I want to I throw you a lifeline, if you're in the pit, I want to say, come on, listen, it's, it, let me give you the answer. You go, know, Pastor, I'm not in a pit. Um, but maybe today you're in the prison. You see, the prison's just a little bit worse. Why? Because in chapter 39, we learned that Joseph, our boy Joseph, gets put in prison. Okay? Now, he's falsely accused. He didn't do it. He's trying to follow God. He's trying to be obedient. And he's falsely accused. <laughs> and he's thrown into prison for two years. You guys with me on this? He's in prison for two years, and and the prison back in these days are no joke, okay? It was not not the place you wanted to end up. I'm pretty sure when we get into our story, as Joseph begins walking, and he's kind of doing his little 17-year-old strut, you know, as dad gave him the coat of many colors, he never thought, man, I'm going to end up in prison for something I didn't do. Hey man, what are your career goals? I'm going to end up in prison. He never thought that. And yet there he is. And you go, what was the prison like? It was dark. Okay? They didn't have internet. They didn't have, you know, cable television. I mean, it was dark. It was dingy, guys. It was probably cold. And Joseph was probably lonely. How so? Man, he grew up with a big family. Can you imagine Thanksgiving at Joseph's house? It was nuts. People everywhere, cousins everywhere, your brothers, everybody laughing, music. I bet it was a great time, but now he's alone. He's in the prison. He's in the prison. And I think, wow, wow. And so this got me thinking, church. This got me thinking. I wonder, like with COVID-19, coronavirus, quarantine, job loss, loneliness, and fear. I wonder how many went from the pit to the prison. And right now, many of, many of people in the world are feeling like they're in a prison. Wonder how many people feel like they're in a prison cell. And you go, well, Ben, they're not in a prison cell. Man, we're free. We're still free in America. Come on, man. Man, we can still do. But but it's the listen, it's the prison cell of their mind and the prison cell of their own heart. Because that's what fear will do to you. Fear will render you, guys, helpless, hopeless. Fear will get you to where you're. I wonder, I wonder how many people, how many of you watching online might be thinking, hey, man, I started 2020. I thought this was going to be my year. And now I, now I don't even go outside. I don't even go to the store. Guys, do you you realize that there are still people out there who go to work? and go home, and go to work, and go home, and they don't do anything else. And uh, they'll ask me questions, Rosa. They'll ask me like, hey, what's it like out there? What do you mean, what's it like (laughs) out here? You know? So, So homes can be a prison, can't they? We can make all kinds of prisons, and I'm not just saying specifically like on COVID, but I think of COVID because this is the current situation. But he, think about this, guys. Do you realize, and I did some searching, do you realize in the last six months we saw a rise in suicides and that the suicide hotline was up 800%? God's people! God created humans in his image, and they're at the point where they're hopeless that they say, "Uh uh-uh, no more. We, church, have the light of Jesus in us, and we can share the good news, and there's a world, and I'm thinking 800%. Did I tell you this, that that liquor sales were up over three times the normal during this time? So I think, I just think, guys, think about this. Uh, I quoted one doctor. Here, here's what one doctor said, quote, We never seen numbers like this in such a short period of time, he said. I mean, we've seen a year's worth of suicide attempts in the last four weeks. Unquote. Many people in our world feel like this, and maybe you feel like this too. And we need to offer the hope and the encouragement of Jesus Christ. Before we get to the palace, I think there's another prison that people don't want to talk about. And see, it's not the prison of fear it's not the prison of of catching a virus. It's not the prison of going in and, and being. Honest. It's it's not. You know, you know what? It, it, I think it is, and I saw it today. There's a prison of if I just don't pay attention to it. It'll go away by itself. I was getting a cup of coffee earlier, and I heard the lady ask an employee, do you go to church? I guess she was making the schedule, and so she was wondering if she could schedule him on Sundays. And the young man just said, well, yeah, I go to so-and-so church, and then I see him, I'm waiting, and I'm watching, and he says, but I don't go that often. Go ahead and schedule me on Sundays, that'll be fine. And I thought, here's a young man who's going, listen, the world is falling apart in the very midst of his eyes, and I I just don't want to deal with it. You go, well, Ben, that's not the case. It may not be the case with this young man, but I started to think, well, how many young people are going... That's okay. That's okay. You see, here's what prophecy does. Prophetically, we talked about Matthew 24 last week. Prophetically, it wants it gets us to be alive and it gets our eyes open for for what Jesus. It gets us excited for the return of the Lord. Prophecy goes. Yes, he's coming back again. I see it. And it doesn't, and it doesn't frighten us. It doesn't go, oh, right, right. Because we're not saved based on our works. We're saved based on who Jesus is, right? When we put our faith and trust in him, we're saved. So, so guess what? If you've done that, you're saved. You're born again. And so, because of who he is, on the authority of who he is, you're going to go to heaven. So when we say, man, Jesus is coming back, we go, yeah. Amen. Alex, Jesus is coming back. When, bro? I don't know. Well, what should we do? Man, we should love life. We should just be excited about what we're doing. We should just, listen, man, this is great. This is great. Why? I'll tell you why. Because we have a tendency, church, we have a tendency to, to just kind of give up. We have a tendency to step back and go, I don't want to do anything. man. Uh, Jesus coming back, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna order that three layer cheese pizza tonight. I'm just gonna eat that, I'm just gonna eat it. Yeah, I'm just gonna you know, I mean we tend to (laughs) get we tend to give up. No, bro, I thought you were gonna work out. No, you know, that's all right. Jesus coming back, man. No, no, no. Here's the thing. We just keep moving forward, we keep doing what we do. Okay? We keep getting married, we keep going to school, we keep getting our degree, we keep following our passions, but we live like Jesus. It's coming back today. Listen, if you get nothing else out of this message, and I haven't even started it yet, Sarah, Jesus needs to be your all in all. And everything else will be good, I promise. Your marriage will be good. Your life will be good. Your heart will be say Jesus has to be number one. I don't, I don't want him in a category where he's a little piece of the pie. Jesus needs to be all the pie. He needs to be number one. He needs to be who you talk to in the morning. He needs to be one who you talk to throughout the day. He needs to be the one, the very last person you say goodnight to. You need to tell Jesus you love them. You need to walk with him. Ben, I'm not in a prison, and I'm not in the pit. As a matter of fact, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Maybe some of you are like that. And I would say you're in the palace, okay? You're doing good. Things are good with you. Listen, you didn't miss a stride. You didn't lose your job. You got the stimulus. You're like, man, I'm making out pretty good. (laughs) I feel like I'm in the palace, man. Do you know what Joseph did while he was in the palace? Do you know what Joseph did when he was in prison? Do you know what Joseph did when he was in the pit? He, guys, was an... Listen to this. Oh, this is good. He was an instrument of God that he used to bring about change. That's what he's doing, man. Listen, maybe you're in the palace. You're making a difference. You're making a difference. Here's the point. You ready? No matter where you are in life right now, okay, where you are, God can use you as an instrument to bring hope, to bring peace, to bring comfort, and to bring change, to bring change. How so? Think about when you got saved. Think about when you got saved. Wow. Now we have that privilege of, of, of having, here. you got a problem? Here's the answer. And they say, oh, yes. And they open up their heart and then God does an incredible work you get to see that you get to you're an instrument of change how so do you realize that one person can change the world one person can change how can one person change the world listen when he changes his family follows and i mean now we begin to change the world one person can change the world we're going to see that in the life of joseph Sister, think about this. Think about, you know, without Joseph in the palace, what would have happened to his family? They would have never come to Egypt to be saved. And this brings me hope because sometimes in life, we have to face an occasional pit. And sometimes in life, we have to face an occasional prison so we can get to the palace, so we can get to the palace. Some of us might be in a pit, some of us might be in a prison, some of us might be in the palace, but God is going to use you to bring forth change. And that's part of our introduction, okay? Our introduction, again, is going to lead us into the life of Joseph, okay? So tonight, guys, let's cover verses 1 through 19, and we're going to learn a lot, okay? So let me very quickly remind you where we left off, okay? I want to give you some background, Rosa, so you understand. Rachel gave birth to two boys. One of them was Joseph, and the other was Benjamin. Now remember, she died giving birth to Benjamin, okay? So Jacob obviously, right? has favoritism for his two boys because he really, 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 really loved Rachel. He really loved Rachel. And so we've been... You can see the series. It's called His Story because we're going to get the history of the world. So, So what do we do? The very first story we looked at was creation. The creation story, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Can I get an amen? Because we believe that, okay? Then we moved into Adam and Eve's story. Adam and Eve's story. Something I heard today, very, very interesting. If you trace all our bloodline in the DNA, it all goes back to Adam. All of it. Let me just say this. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. It goes back to Adam. Amen. There's one race, and that's the human race that God created. I'm telling you, this is Adam and Eve. Look it up, man. This is where we came from, and we have this very same blood. Then we move to Noah, and Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Right, Noah? Now, that's not a fun story because all the world dies. That's not a fun story, but we see we follow Noah, and then from Noah, we father, we follow follow Father Abraham. Try saying that three times. We need to follow Father Abraham, Father Abraham, right? So, so we father, father, we follow Father Abraham's story in Genesis 12, and we hang out with Abraham for a while. Abraham gives birth to a son named Isaac. Isaac gives birth to a son named Jacob. We've been hanging out with him. Jacob now gives birth to how many? 12, I did 7, that's not 10 and 10 and 2, 12. 12 boys, but one of them is Joseph. And so we're going to hang out with Joseph. So we talked about like that. Now, remember last week, okay? Or two weeks ago, let me just say that. There was a lot of similarities to Jesus. And, and what I believe is that God really loves to prepare his people. He's giving us the gospel message in Genesis, He's telling us about Jesus in Genesis. Now, what should have happened is the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin should have all looked at the Old Testament because, guys, remember, they memorized it. They should have seen the similarities of Joseph and matched him with Jesus and received Jesus as the Lord. But instead, they became super religious and they opposed him every time Jesus walked into the temple. But what were they? Well, number one, if you're taking notes, guys, real quickly, it was love. It was love, right? Well, we saw that Jacob loved, right, Joseph. We saw that, right? Well, what was the similarity? Well, the similarity, again, was that Jesus, guys, that the Father loved Jesus. And we see Jesus walking on this earth, and God, the Father, loved Jesus. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased I love that verse. I love, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Why do you love that? Because if the God, the father's pleased with Jesus and I'm found in Jesus, guess what? He's pleased with me. With all of my mess ups and all of my idiosyncrasies and all of my quirkiness and all of whatever you want to call it, he's still pleased with me. Why? Why, Rosa? Because he doesn't see me, he sees Jesus. Jesus. Bethany doesn't see, Bethany sees Jesus. So he's well-pleased with you. I love that verse, man. This is my beloved son in whom I'm... Because guys, we're hard on ourselves, aren't we, Sarah? Yes. We are super hard on ourselves. We're like, man, we're messed up. I can't believe it. God goes, no, 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 listen. I love you. That's why Paul said he was the chief of sinners. He's like, you want to talk about sinners? I'm the chief. And you're going, no, no, no. I beg to differ. I think I beat Paul. But that's the beauty of it. That's love. Then you had number two, preeminence. Preeminence. You go, what do you mean? There, there was a tunic of many colors, guys, a coat of many colors. It was a garment that honored Joseph that actually gave him authority. Yet Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, and Jesus came and he spoke to them, said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. There was preeminence. And then we learned number three about hatred. Why? Because now we're going to see his brothers that actually hated. Now it was used three times in the first few verses brothers hated him and it wasn't like you know when you're annoyed with your brothers or your sisters you're like oh they bug me but you love them they 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 were they, they were tripping men they hated joseph and yet people hated jesus they did as a matter of fact this really tripped me out because there's a lot of people today who hate jesus and I saw in one protesting, it wasn't anything to do with the riots. This was years ago, but they, they showed us a guy with a sign, and this made me cry. And he said, and here's what his sign. His sign said basically, if Jesus comes back to earth again, we'll kill him again. And he's marching. You hate my Jesus? I guess we shouldn't trip out church if if people hate us we shouldn't trip out because if they hated jesus and and were followers of jesus you go what what 's that well how about betrayal right they they betrayed right betrayal both Joseph and Jesus. The fifth one was slander slander. We're going to see later on in chapter 39 that Joseph was falsely accused of a crime he didn't commit. Now, that's what makes me sad. I mean, I could, see, I could see if Joseph did it. I could see if Joseph thought about it. I could see if Joseph was like, but he didn't do it. He was trying to honor God, and he said, how can I sin against God and my master? How can I do this wicked thing? And they slandered my Jesus. And they falsely accused him of crimes that he didn't commit. How about this? How about number six? Company, company. You go. What do you mean? Do you remember who who Joseph was jailed with? He was jailed with two criminals. Okay, right. There was the chief butler and the chief baker. One of them was set free, while the other was executed. You go, what does that mean? Well, Jesus was crucified between two criminals, and one was set free, spiritually speaking, and the other wasn't. Do you remember that thief on the cross? Do you remember what he said? Let me paraphrase. He said, man, we committed the crime. We deserve this, but he's innocent. And he looks to Jesus and he said, Jesus, remember me in your kingdom. And Jesus said, today... Me in paradise. The number seven was they, they were dead, then alive, right? For years, Jacob believed that Joseph was killed. We're going to see that story. And it wasn't until Joseph's brothers traveled to Egypt to get grain when he revealed himself to them. And, of course, we know with Jesus. And you guys realize the resurrection? Do you realize the implication of that? Because Jesus resurrected, we're going to resurrect too. And we're going to get a brand new body. I'm excited about that. Number eight, authority. Joseph was a man in charge of everything, right? He became the most powerful second man in all of Egypt. And yet Jesus, the Bible says, rightfully is in charge of everything and everyone. And number nine, recognition. Notice that they did not recognize their brother until the second time when they came in. Right? It was the second time they didn't recognize him. And at Jesus' second coming at the end of history, the Jewish nation will recognize Jesus as their Messiah. And the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And we're going to see that his brothers are actually going to bow to him. So what did God do? God gave us a beautiful preview of salvation and the gospel in the book of Genesis. Amazing. You can't make this stuff up. How can the writer, if it's Adam or Moses, how can you, how can you, write? How, you can't. Unless it's the power of the Holy Spirit. I had, a, had an old fellow the other day talk to me at the gym, and we got to talking about the Bible, and he was telling me, yeah, but you know men wrote the Bible, where I quickly said, no, 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 men penned the Bible, but the Bible was written by God. It was, it was inspired. The Bible says that it was what? God breathed. God breathed. Man could not write what we read. There's no way. Didn't I explain to you the other day? Listen, because because we're so prideful because because of that, there would be some stuff that I wouldn't write in the Bible about me. Well, did you deny Jesus? Well, it wasn't like denying. Uh, let's 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 you know let's define what deny means because I was just like I didn't I was just like I don't know you know what I mean. We would try to make ourselves look a lot better, but because it's the Word of God, it's pretty clear. And it's very honest. That's how I know it's God's word. That's how I know it's God's word. So now we come to our text, okay? Long introduction. Thank you for bearing with me. Genesis chapter 37, verse 1. It says, Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. So, what happened? You guys know the story. Jacob booked, right, for a little bit. He came back. He's in the land of Canaan. Um, basically, he's in a place called Mamre in the valley of Hebron. He's a little bit farther from Shechem, but there's where he is. He's hanging out okay now if we had time we could pull this out and be like listen this is not our home we're ready to go back home we're excited to be home but we know that Jacob is home look at verse 2 it says this is the history of Jacob Joseph being 17 years old was feeding the flock with his brothers the lads were with the sons of Bilhah the sons of Zilpah his father's wife and Joseph brought a bad report to them to his father Now, your attention, please. Here's what we learn. Joseph is 17 years old. He's very young. He's very naive. Okay? And so what happens is he's hanging out, right? We know that he's a shepherd. And he's hanging out with Gad. He's hanging out with Asher. He's hanging out with Dan and Naphtali. Those are the, those are his bros. Those are his bud, right? They're, they're not from the same mom. They're from, um, from a concubine, right? from Zilpah and, and Bilhah. So there he is. And we know that he's tending the sheep. We're going to see later on that, that it, it, it actually gets a promotion. But the Bible says that, that here's what happens. Now check this out. You guys with me? It says Joseph brought a bad report to his father. So Joseph's hanging out. He sees some things that he doesn't like. He goes back to dad and he says, man. Now the word bad there is an evil report. Hey, the boys aren't doing what they say. Some of the sheep wandered off. I had to go, that man, they're just, they're causing me more. They, he bought a bad report. You guys tracking with me, okay? So when we read this, what do we think? Joseph, you don't, you don't snitch on your brother, right? Because why? Snitches get stitches. I'm telling you right now, that's what they're, you don't do that. That's what's going to happen to Joe. They're going to, you're going to, but, but so, but, but, but here, here's what I see. Listen, they bring a bad report. So here's my question to you guys. Let me ask you this, okay? Things that make you go, hmm, 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 hmm. Mm. Was Joseph asking, acting like a gossiping tattletale? Or was he a faithful steward of the sheep? You see, the Bible doesn't say, but I wonder what you think. Was he just a seventeen-year-old little little brat that was going to be like, "I'm going to tell on my brothers," and and I'm going to make dad feel, or was he just being faithful? If this is all the story I knew, I would probably go, I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. What do you think? But I know the end of the story, which tells me that he ended up being second in command. And he didn't get that just because he was at the right place at the right time. And Pharaoh goes, well, we don't have anybody else to put. How about you? He had to show some smarts. He had to show some leadership skills. He had to show something. I wonder. Now, again, the text doesn't say. Jerry, the text doesn't tell me, so I don't know. But I would assume, and it's just my opinion, I would assume that he was a very naive, faithful servant of the sheep. I would say that. And you go, why? Let me point out why. This is the first cause of strife between Joseph and his brothers, and now we're going to see how it's going to be presented throughout the rest of the chapters. This is the start of it. And I think if you were not naive and you had some wisdom, you wouldn't want to go, listen, I'm going to go tell my dad, on uh, my bros here, and this is going to cause me a lot of pain for, my, for the rest of my life. I think I'll go do that. I don't think he would do that. I think he'd say, you know what, I'll just handle it. I'll take care of it on my own. I'll, I'll, I'll do the extra work because I don't, I don't want it. We don't want this sibling rivalry where it's just it's awful. But if he's a good steward of the sheep and he feels like he needs to say something because of the leadership skills that God is developing in him, I just wonder, I just wonder. Jo- Joseph, Joseph, is he just a gossiping tattletale? Or is God doing something in his heart? How do, you, uh, how do you reconcile that? Well, here's the thing, guys. Every one of us have been given skills and abilities. Skills. Okay? There are some things we can learn. Okay? Like Like, for example... I know a little bit about computers, okay. But Jesse will come, and he'll say, "Oh, watch, click, click, click," and then he'll change everything, and I'll be like, "I didn't even know he did that. I didn't even." He's got skills and abilities that God has has birthed. Everything that God has birthed in him, okay. Are there Jesse? Jesse has skills and abilities that God has developed from a very young age to be able to play instruments and to be able to have and to hear things that uh well did you hear the sound? I don't hear the sound. Did you hear the I mean, do you guys, every one of us, and, and again I'm just using them as examples. Every one of us, God is is developing your skill set right now. But you have a decision to make. Which way how is this gonna affect which way are you gonna go? How is this gonna how is this going to play out? And I'll tell you why, Sarah. Because I've seen so many people that had such a beautiful gift set not use them. And they go through life and, hey, how come? So, some people may, and I'm using this as an example, some people may have a beautiful gift of, of being able to play the piano. Just a beautiful just a beautiful classical gift, and they, and they don't do it. They're not using it. Hey, whatever happened to that? To that used to play the. Yeah, I, I, I just don't do it anymore. Well, see, the skill set is there, but the devil stole the song from her heart. We got to be careful. We got to be careful. Now, let me say this, okay? Let me say this. It's important you catch this. Joseph was neither perfect nor sinless, okay? So as we look at him, he was, I mean, okay? The Bible declares that all of us are sinners and we need God's saving grace. Nonetheless, the Bible does not record an order of sins Joseph committed, nor any criticism leveled against him. And this is where we need to strive for. Not in a works kind of thing. Well, I'm working to just really, but just going, listen, I just want to honor the Lord in the word of God. I just want to, I I just... Come on. I want to be like a Joseph. Or I dare to be a Daniel. That's the same same concept. I want to be a Daniel. I want to be, here's the thing. I told my friend the other day, listen, I just want to finish well. Okay? When I come to the end of my life, I want to finish well. I want to go through the, I don't want an asterisk next to my name. Well, he was a wonderful pastor. He was a wonderful human being. But. Help me out, Church. Isn't that a struggle? I don't want that asterisk next to my name. I want to finish well. He gave his life to the Lord, and he and he ran his race till he finished. Till he finished the race, we came across the finish line. That's why I dare to be a Daniel. I want to be a Joseph. I want to strive. Lord, help me to be like that. But I do know that Joseph was seventeen, and he was probably incredibly naive. Something that he'll grow out very quickly (laughs) after his brothers betray him. Why? Well, let's look at the problem. Look at verse 3 real quick. It says, Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age, also because he made him a tunic of many colors. Now, do you guys see part of the problem? What is part of the problem? Guys, it's called favoritism. It's favoritism, okay? Jacob says, "Man, I like I like y'all. You guys are fine out but Joseph I love. I love." What did we say when we say when we take something good and make it ultimate, what is it? We make it an idol, don't we? And it, and, and whenever there's favoritism in in the family, it just it doesn't go well, does it? It doesn't go well. I told you this before, I don't know what that's like because my my dad did an amazing job not making me his favorite, (laughs) which I don't understand. I'm the baby, I should be his favorite, I should have gotten more. But you know what? He bought my brother, my brother's a car, he bought my sister a car, guess what, he bought me a car. There was no favoritism. Do you realize that when he died didn't matter that you were the baby or you were the smartest or whatever. It didn't matter. He divided everything equally. That's how he said it was going to go. But biblically, we see, and we know this happens in life, that there's favoritism, isn't there? Mom likes me better. Mom likes me more. But it doesn't end well. The Bible said that Israel, right, employs the name Israel, not Jacob, and it says that he loved Joseph more than any uh, than all of his children we got to ask the question why well guys because because Jacob right because Rachel was Jacob's favorite wife and Joseph was her firstborn it's easy to see why Jacob favored him in his old age and and let's just be honest this was this was kind of partiality guys in the home That was bound to cause trouble. This was the start. And not only that, but the text seems to indicate that because he came and tattled, if you will, he didn't really tattle, he just kind of, you know, that dad gave him a promotion. Why? Because he gave him a coat of many colors, which indicated authority. It indicated that he got a promotion, that now he's a supervisor. Now he didn't have to go out and spend the night with the sheep, that he could go out and tell his brothers, okay, you're gonna do this. Let me let me go to make the schedule, okay, when you're out. He's well, of course his brothers are older and they're gonna look at him going, What is this seventy year old got? <sighs> guys, this is real life stuff. This is real life stuff. Dad gave him, guys, a coat, a tunic of many colours. And it seemed like, and here's some great application for us. You guys ready? It seemed like dad wanted to make Joseph a ruler before he learned how to be a servant. You go, what's the application? Man, as Christians, guys, we need to learn how to be servants before we can be leaders. We need to learn how to serve. Oh, I want to be, I just want to be the pastor. I want to be this. I want to be. Listen, you know what? I, I told somebody at that, you know what the word minister means? It means servant. That's all it means. Okay? So what does it mean? It means I'm the senior servant. That's what it means. I want to be in leadership, Ben. Great, serve. I want to be in leadership. Wonderful. Clean the toilets. Whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. I learned that lesson as assistant pastor. Hey, you want to come on staff? I want to come on staff. I'm ordained. I'm a pastor. All right, I'm on staff. I'm Pastor Ben, Calvary Chapel. How you doing? Right? And he says, okay, by the way, you need to clean the building. I need to clean the building, but I'm a pastor. And so there I am vacuuming. I can't believe I'm a, I'm a pastor. I should be counseling people. I should be studying the word of God. God, don't you see this? And God's like, yeah, I do see that. If you want to be a great leader, be a good servant first. Guys, if you want to be great leaders in your home, be a servant. Be a servant. Every one of us wants to be a servant until we're treated like a servant. Oh, I want to be a servant. Go clean the bathrooms. I'm not that servant. You clean the bathroom. We don't like to be treated like a servant. If I keep going off on these applicational tangents, we'll never get done with the text. Verse 4. But when his brother saw that their father loved him more than all his other brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Guys, every believers have family problems. The stupid actions of both Jacob and Joseph triggered dangerous emotions and envy and jealousy of the other sons. I mean, he knew this. And, and and we're given three reasons for envy of the brothers here. You go, what's that? First of all, he made Joseph, guys, a special coat. I mean, this was a coat of many colors. It's not like you couldn't miss him. It wasn't like it was brown and he kind of blended into the sand there at the Judean desert. I mean, you could see the dude walking for miles away. Oh, dad gave him that coat. Oh. How would you feel? as a brother, to think, man, I thought Dad loved it. I thought, listen, I have Dad's blood running through my veins too. The Bible says that they hated Joseph. They couldn't even talk nice to him. And of course, his... Tattling, if you will, on his brothers, it stirred bitterness toward him. So if that's not enough, God gives him a dream. Look at look at verse 5 through 11. It says, now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. Okay, ding dong, clue number one. If your brothers already hate you, don't tell them the dream. Okay, hey man, I had this dream and you were all in it, you know, it's like, I mean, you can see how naive he is. So he said to them, please hear the dream, which I have dreamed. There we were binding sheaves in the field and behold, my sheaf rose and stood upright and indeed your sheaves stood all around and bowed to, bowed down to my sheaf. And his brother said to him, Whoa, hold down there, cowboy. Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams, for his dreams, for his words. Then he dreamed another dream. And he still told it to his brothers. And he said, look, I've dreamed another dream. And this time, the sun, the moon, the 11 stars bowed down to me. So it was told to his father and his brothers. And his fathers rebuked him and said, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come and bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Now, let's chat for just a moment, okay? If you're taking notes, guys, the narrator writes that Joseph's brothers hated him three times. In verse 4, in verse 5, and verse 8. This repetition frames the evil actions that his brothers will later commit against him. Now, The dreams came from God, okay? The dreams came from God, no question there. And it was certainly an assurance that one day he would rule, right, to help keep Joseph faithful during those many years of testing in Egypt. Now, check this out, okay? Here's what I found very interesting. The first dream was where? He was talking about sheaves, okay? He said, we were out binding sheaves, And one raised up, and the other, she's bowed down, right? You go, yeah, okay. What was the second dream? The second dream, he goes, hey, wait a minute. In the heavens, there was the star, there was the moon, there was the sun, 11 stars, and they all bowed down. Those were the dreams. And I thought, wow, is there a correlation here? Is there something going on that we need to pull out? And I thought, think about this. Think about this, Okay. The first dream sort of suggests, if you will, Abraham's earthly children's the Jewish nation, okay? But the second dream sort of indicates a heavenly seed, which would be the church. And I thought, wow, what God did is he gave us the gospel message right here, and he said, okay, the Jews are one day going to come. That day's approaching, very. Right? but the church, you and I. And so I thought, wow. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. So they're upset. Hey, hey, listen. Are we going to bow down to you? Now, listen, I don't know. Does anybody have a younger, do you have a younger brother? Anybody have younger brothers? Jesse, you have a younger brother? You have younger, you're the oldest, Right? Right? Think about your youngest brother. Your young, I mean, this is the one, him coming and going, Y'all are going to bow down to me. Uh, You'd be like, "Mm mm-mm. Jesse, do you have a, you have a younger brother? You do? Yeah, you can imagine. I'm the youngest, so I'd be the little 17-year-old going, come on, right? If you have, maybe you understand. You understand. Wow. Maybe like, that's not happening. Not on my watch, buddy. Listen. You're even adopt? No, I'm just kidding. You're not. You know how we used to say. But anyways, that's, I, I digress. Let's go back. Okay? So, verse 12. Then his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. And he said, Here I am. And he said to them, please go see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flocks and bring word back to me. So you can see that Joseph is now in a place of what? Of, of, of a supervisory position. He, he's, where are the boys? They should be out and check them. Go check on them. Give, give me a report. So Jacob gets in, or Joseph gets in his company car and he drives to where the workers are at. And it says right here, it says, um, So he sent them out to the valley of Hebron, and he went to Shechem. Now, a certain man found him, and there he was wandering the field. And the man asked him, What are you seeking? He said, I'm seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they are feeding their flocks. And the man said, Oh, they've departed from here. For I heard them say, Let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found him in Dothan. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. And they said to one another, Look, this dreamer is coming. Now, here's the picture it paints, okay? Okay. Up in the in the in Hebron is a little bit of mountainous area, okay? But over when you move to Shechem and Dothan, it's kind of like let me just say this, it's kind of like Lubbock. Okay, it's really flat. And so they were getting the grass, and all of a sudden they could see Joseph coming. Okay? So they're not happy with that at all. They're really upset with him. He's dad's favorite. He's told them some dreams. God's going to use those dreams, but it just really upset his brothers now. You know what their response was? Let's kill him. They had already plotted that in their heart. It's one thing to ignore your brother. It's one thing to go, look, just whatever. But they were wanting to get rid of him. And yet God has a plan, doesn't he? So they see him coming. They say, oh, there he is. Let's kill him. When he gets here, let's kill him. This dreamer of dreams. Joseph approached the brother. They recognized him and they plotted to kill him. They would once be rid of this dreamer of dreams, you know, once and for all. Brother Reuben argued that they should not shed blood. Let's just, throw, let's just throw Joseph in a pit, or you can write in your Bibles a cistern. Why? Because we know that Reuben hoped to come back and release him at a later time. Now, the next few verses indicate, guys, that they are going to throw Joseph into a pit. And I thought, well, what kind of a pit is it? Now, When we went to Israel, okay, and you go into the garden tomb, you can go there. Now, it says there's a garden from Golgotha. There's a garden. And what it said is that there was a cistern next to where the empty tomb was. Now, there's an empty tomb. But if you go to the garden and you look, this, this giant cistern, this giant hole in the ground where you actually needed a ladder to go in this, and that's where water would come in and they would store their water. I physic- I saw that in Israel. I was like, wow, it's right there in the garden. And then a few uh, feet over there, you see the empty tomb. And it's like, wow, this, this could be the place. Well, that's where they were all over Israel, right? Because of the rains, they needed to have water. Well, they found a, they found a dry one. And what they're going to do next week, guys, is they're going to take Joseph and they're going to throw him in here. Now, think about this. I was thinking about earlier if I th- was thrown in a pit that I'm just I'm, I may mean, just starve to death, right? I can't get out. I can't. some of them are so deep, guys. I mean, think about it. He didn't have a ladder to get up. He wasn't. He would either. But if it rained, what would happen? He would drown. I mean, this was not a good place. And I was thinking about this, and so I thought how are we going to leave how are we going to leave the bible study with some encouragement with some hope and then it dawned on me so next week we're going to talk about joseph being in the pit we're going to see that he's sold into slavery there there's there's called a there's called a parenthesis a parenthetical break where it's going to talk about uh, chapter 38 is different for just a little bit then it'll go back to joseph but We're going to see he's in a pit. Then I thought, well, what's some hope and encouragement? And I thought, well, listen, maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're here today and you're going, man, I know what it's like to be in a pit. But the hope and encouragement is this. You don't have to stay in a pit. I'm telling you the truth with all of my heart when I say the Prince of Peace can pull you from the pit. And he can set your feet on a solid rock And he will do that in your life if you'll let him. And as I started to think more and more about the study, I started to think, man, I miss the church. I miss the people in the church. But the real issue is not the building or the church, but what is Jesus? What has he done in your life? The Prince of Peace Jesus Christ came to earth so he can reconcile us back to him. But in the meantime, he wants to give us hope. He wants us to breathe again. He wants to pull you out of the pit. He wants to set your feet on solid rock, and he wants to walk with you every single day. You have to let him. You have to let him. And so many people will sit in the pit and they'll be like, Oh, and Jesus will raise his hand and say, "Come on out," and they'll go, "No, I don't believe in you. I'll do it myself and Jesus says, "'Come on, He's done it for me. He's changed my life. He pulled me out of the pit, and listen, there's been many pits along the way. There's been many times when you're just you're just super bummed or you're feeling even even down or depressed. And Jesus has been the one. Just get your eyes off of what's going on, Ben. Get your eyes on me. And He'll He does that work. And so as we close, guys, listen, I want to I want to give you this opportunity. You go, what opportunity? Well, if you're watching online or even if you're here, if you've never given your life to Jesus. And your life looks like a roadmap of so much windy, hilly. Know that the end, that's just life. And eventually you come over that hill, and there's the Lord. All you have to do is call him. I promise you on the authority of Scripture that the hope comes from the one who brings hope. Comfort comes from the power of his Holy Spirit. Encouragement is you're going to make it. You're going to do fine. I promise you. All you need to do is surrender your life to Jesus. That's all you got to do. Say, yes, I'm tired of trying to do this myself. <sighs> Spiritually speaking, will you lift up your hand and say, Jesus, pull me out of this pit. Pull me out of this pit. I need that change in my life. And that's what the gospel does. It changes us. So if you're watching online and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus or you're here tonight and God brought you here and you've never surrendered completely, like like you've attended church, but you've never really given your life to Jesus, like... you don't know him, but you want to know him, like you believe in him, but you're ready to take that next step to commit your life to him, then I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you, all of you watching online. So you bow your heads and pray, Lord Jesus, I pray for every single person that heard, Lord, this broken way of just trying to invite people into your presence. Forgive me, Lord, but but may your spirit do the work in their hearts. I pray for everyone watching online, Lord, that they would surrender their life to Jesus. That today is the day that they say, I'm in. I'm in. I want my sins forgiven, and I want to follow you, Jesus, for all of my life. And let me do this. With every eye closed and every head bowed, is there anybody here? That would say, Pastor, will you pray for me? I'm not right with God. I want to be, I want to surrender my life to Jesus tonight. If that's you and God is speaking to your heart, all you have to do is lift up your hand. Nobody will see. I'll see. I'll acknowledge you. You just say, Yes, Pastor, pray for me. I want Jesus to come into my heart. I want to surrender. I want to be saved tonight. I believe in Him. And I'm ready to follow him. If that's you, will you just lift up your hand right now? Just Say, Pastor, pray for me. If you're watching online, listen, you can lift up your hand and you can just right where you are and you can just pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I'm ready for a change. I feel like I'm in a pit and I want to come out. Please come into my heart. Save me and be my Lord and be my God and be my Savior and be my friend. I choose this day to follow you, Jesus. For forever. on yours. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, we want to know about it. Give us a click. Say yes. Give me an amen. Um, man, part two is next week. Excited to teach that. Please come back. We'll see you on Sunday. God bless you. Let's worship the Lord.
0: Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227.